Well, welcome back to the new news podcast. We are going live today on Friday, January 5th. Um, kind of had some weird Cardinals news and stuff going on this past week with miscommunication regarding injuries. And then the trade market seems to be moving now and uh, relievers are kind of being connected. They're signing other in other places like uh, Wuseko and Yuki Matsui, but then there's also now some new rumblings about different arms. So we wanted to break all of that down today because we have our prospect episode with Kareem coming on Sunday. So there won't be as much chatter about trades, free agents, all that kind of stuff on that. But we've got all that covered today. So Sandy, Andrew, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. It's, it's good right. to be back. Um, seeing all the seeing all the news about Delcius has been been pretty exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, people were getting upset about Wusako the other day, um, which is unfortunate um, that that he had to go sign with the Padres for for such a such a bargain deal. I think it was two years, like four or so million dollars, which is uh, just shows that he wanted to go to San Diego, in my opinion. And like you know, um, a lot of the the players from Asia, from Korea, Japan, they they prefer playing on the West Coast. So it makes sense for him to go there, but uh, it's unfortunate that uh, that we didn't land him. Yeah. It's it's crazy yeah. for how low it was too. Like I was I was reading and someone had said like you know four point five million over two years is a rounding error in uh, today's mm. contractual terms. So mm. it's just crazy. And Matsui took a huge discount too. It seems so. I mean, I guess whatever Mosaic wanted to do wasn't going to work. They really wanted to be in San Diego. Yeah, we'll get more into the reliever conversation in a bit because for the most part this past week, we've been speculating about why Matsui and Go went uh, to San Diego specifically. Um, but John Mozilla gave Derek Gould some comments that gives a little bit more clarity, um, but still it's a little ambiguous about why they chose to go to San Diego. Um, but obviously the biggest news right now is Ken Rosenthal's report from last night. So we're already planning on going live before this, mainly talking about Tommy Edmond and like let's talk about the relievers a little bit. And then... This kind of somewhat bombshell comes from Rosenthal last night about the cease market beginning to maybe get a little more momentum here that the White Sox are weighing offers from teams right now. He stated that the Yankees and the Orioles seemed to be the two that were had maybe the most interest shown right now. But he also then went on to say that there are other clubs who are serious about cease. So he didn't just say, oh, they can maybe make a play, but they're also serious contenders. He just couldn't nail down the exacts of who for sure it is. And so the few teams that he threw into the mix there that could potentially be three other teams would be the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and then the Red Sox. So just peeling back the tea leaves a little bit here. Cardinals in on C's potentially. Again, Derek Gold this morning on Twitter was responding to a couple of people who were like, okay, what's with the C stuff? And he said, it's he just confirmed, he's like, it's been widely reported the Cardinals are continuing to talk to teams about trades. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but they've been monitoring it. So... I think there's been a lot of doubt across maybe Cardinal Nation about the potential of a trade. And is it still the most likely? Maybe not. But it's clearly on the table, at least right now. So just on the surface, when you guys saw the cease news, what was your first thoughts? And then we can maybe get into like how it could play out. Yeah, so um, it was reported the Cardinals uh, were involved in the Glassnell market when that was going on. Glassnell, I think, confirmed that himself. Yep. Um, before he ultimately went to the Dodgers because he wanted to sign that extension. But um, it's been clear ever since we signed Sonny Gray that the Cardinals were, were going to be open-minded about uh, acquiring another starting pitcher. Um, so we have six of those next season. Um, sorry about that. Um, but 
I'm, I'd be excited for, for Dylan Cease. I know you guys uh, had a trade proposal uh, drawn up for him. And as long as it doesn't cost uh, Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman, I think I'd be all in favor of acquiring Dylan Cease. Like any of the prospects, anyone who hasn't made it up to the major leagues yet, and then like Alec Burleson, uh, some of those guys um, who, who don't have as clear of roles um, in, the, in the in the team – are, I think are all fair game um, package. Any of those guys, even Tink Hens, um, Victor Scott's the only prospect I'm a little bit more hesitant to, to part with, but like pretty much anyone that's not Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman should be on the table for this. Um, and if, if they come asking for that um, for Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan, and they're like, Hey, if, if you don't give them, give them to us, we're going to tr- trade them to the Dodgers or something Then maybe I would, I would consider it because I, I don't want the Dodgers getting their hands on, on Dylan Cease, even though I'm I'm a little bit of a Dodgers apologist now, but um, I uh, it just would be too much uh, to handle in the playoffs. Um, you you need to to secure one of those guys at the at the very least, um, especially if if the Dodgers are going to be involved on that. But the Braves and the Reds, uh, who are uh, players at the start of the offseason, they they seem to have gotten their guys that aren't Dylan Cease. The Braves okay. traded for Chris Sale. Um, the Reds got Monta. So I feel like. Um, they're mostly out on the market, as as Ken Rosenthal reported. So that's that's good to see that they're um, not going to be players. Yeah. Well, I mean, as when I heard Cease's name, obviously I got excited because he's been a really good pitcher at certain points in his career. Um, and I was looking at some of his numbers and like, if we get twenty twenty two Cease or even twenty twenty one Cease, I'm very very excited. Both those years, I mean, 2022, he posted a 220 ERA in 184 innings, almost won a Cy Young Award, struck out a ton of guys, um, limited walks just a bit. But the cool thing was he limited hits. Last year, he had the same problem that a lot of Cardinal starters have. Dylan Cease allowed 8.7 hits per nine, which is terrible. Uh, he also walked four guys per nine. That was, you know, all that was done en route to a 4.48 ERA. And it's just not very good results. Dylan Cease did what he always does. He strikes out a lot of guys. He walks a lot of guys, but he gave up a lot of hits last year. And that was really scary to me. And that was something that we continuously pointed out was a problem with the Cardinals rotation. So one of my early thoughts was, well, Dylan Cease is going to cost a lot. You're stuck in a bidding war now, right? You're going to have to outdo these other packages. And who knows what the White Sox are going to ask for. They're talking about four of your top 10 prospects now. Is all of that worth a guy who just put up an ERA near 4.5? I don't know. It's pretty worrisome. I think Dylan Cease makes the Cardinals better. I'm not sure he makes them better by so much that it's worth giving up Sejazi, Hence, and Roby, and Burleson, probably. Like, it's it's some crazy package like that. And it might really hurt your long-term pitching development, too, because the Cardinals only have a few high-ceiling arms. If you have to move two of them in a trade for Cease, that's I, I start to get a little worried there. I don't know. It's really tough because I would like them to make one of these moves. And I've been saying we need another starter and I still believe that, but it's like, if at the end of the year, one of the depth starters, the Cardinals have has an ERA under four, it's not going to shock me. Right. If like Klofenstein or Reversa or Thompson turns out to be a viable starter, if just one of them does, I would probably expect that. And if C has an ERA over four, that's not the craziest thing either. So I don't know. It's, it's really tough. I'm not saying those guys are better than Cease. I don't believe that. Um, but am I? Do I think Cease is so much better than all of them? I don't know. So I'm, I'm much more hesitant than I thought I would be. I thought I'd be more excited. Yeah, I think the the price is going to play a big role in this yeah. as well. And <clears throat> I'm becoming more and more convinced that I don't think Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan are going to be what has to get it done. Okay. I think that the prospect 
package is the way to go here, especially with the only really rumored asking price we do have from uh, the uh, White Sox right now. So um, Bruce Levine, who is a good job covering uh, Major League Baseball, was sourced out and said that when the White Sox and Reds were talking about a trade, they asked for those four top 10 prospects, including Rhett Lauer or Lauder, who's about a top 40 prospect in baseball. And he's, I think, one ranking above Tink Hentz in the top 100 right now. So yeah. you're looking at like, OK, so it's Tink Hentz. And then it was like their fifth ranked prospect who wasn't top 100 and then two other lower top 10 prospects. So it's not like I don't know. They weren't asking for um, two top 100 prospects and the two other highly rated prospects as well. It was sure. honestly not that bad of a package, in my opinion. Um, and then also, I think we're he does have two years of control, but this year's at nine million. Next year's probably like fifteen million or so, and he's yeah. coming off a down year. So I'm not quite. Sh- I think we, in some ways, we maybe have been overrating the the value of Cease a little bit here. Um, which starts to make, lead me to believe maybe this the White Sox will wait it out toward the trade deadline, um, which is something I also, if I had to make like a bet that. right now, I would say that the Cardinals would wait out this toward the trade deadline as well. But I also look at the interested teams. I don't yeah. see the Orioles coughing up what it takes. I don't really see the Dodgers doing it right now, even though they could. I just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the move they would make right now, um, which see, feels weird considering they've made every move so far. Um the Yankees also, they've just made three significant trades this offseason and just kind of depleted their pitching depth. So I really don't see them going after Cease because it would require them giving up even more of yeah. that depth they have. Um, so then the other two teams in there that I'm maybe a little bit more afraid of would be, um, or I guess not as honestly, the only two teams, it's the Cardinals or the Red Sox are the two that I see as the biggest contenders right now. Um, you see the Red Sox, you could throw a Marcelo Mayer out there or you could throw they have a top five system in all of baseball. So they have the prospects to get it done. And they've kind of been rumored on every trade arm right now. They're also looking at Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, yeah. people like that. So who knows? But I just, <clears throat> I don't really see a strong market for him in someone that would outbid the Cardinals. Now, could a team like the Orioles put together a better package than the Cardinals? Yes. And then maybe at that yeah. point, you have to use your trump card of Donovan or Gorman to get it done. Um, but I honestly just don't no. see it coming to that right now. And I, again, I don't think I would do Gorman or Donovan, maybe a straight swap. Um, but I don't think I make them a centerpiece of a package at this point. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just interesting. And so like, I guess maybe the question is, do we think the Cardinals would actually do it? Like if, if the potential is here for a package of, Tink Hentz, Thomas the JC, and then again going kind of off of what they asked the Reds, it's probably more of like maybe Graceffo, Michael McGreevy, or maybe like it's not it's not four top guys. So like you have two top prospects and two others lower in the Cardinals top ten right now. Is that enough to kind of get it done for you? Do you think the Cardinals would actually pull the trigger on that, or do you think they're gonna wait it out? Well, I've I've two things with that. Like the first thing is I just think a lot of teams, when they talk to the Cardinals, they say, we want Donovan and we want Gorman. And that's yeah. that's the hard thing for me. It's hard for me to believe right now that anyone's not asking for those pieces because that's how the Sean Murphy sweepstakes played out. And it, make, it makes me upset just thinking about it. I've ranted about it many times on here before, um, but that's how, that's how it worked. Oakland said, we're not going to make a trade with you unless we get one of those guys or obviously Walker or Newt Bar. And like those four, the Cardinals obviously have seen as untouchable. And so they said no. And then the athletics moved on and took a far worse package from the Braves. And honestly, it's ridiculous that they took that package. 
Um, but it makes me think the C sweepstakes could play out in a similar way where the White Sox say, we have this ace pitcher and you don't have an ace and you haven't developed an ace in a long time. And so it's one of your really talented young bats or nothing. Yeah, I think one maybe difference between the Sean Murphy and the Dylan Cease thing is like at least last year, Nolan Gorman was or a large new bar was a promising upcoming up and coming guy, but I feel like he's yeah. a little bit more established now. So I think yeah. his value's gone up even more. So I feel like it's even more ridiculous to ask for him in some deals. Same with Brendan Donovan, but then also Sean Murphy had three years of control and was the yeah. probably the best catcher available in all baseball, which you could say Dylan Cease is maybe the best pitcher that's available on the market right now. But I I think the shot the gap between Sean Murphy and the next best guy, and the gap between Dylan Cease and all these other options available, I just don't think is the same. So that's where I'm kind of like, I don't really know if like teams can ask for it, but like yeah. clearly the Reds are just like, bye, we're out of the the out of the sweepstakes right now. There's teams that are saying, yeah, we're we're done. We're not gonna go after him if you want this. Um, and those teams are even more conservative than the Cardinals when it comes to making big deals like this. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would be warmer towards Cease if I knew that we could get an extension done too. Cause it's like just two years is like it's not what I want, you know. If yeah. you're going to pony up what it takes to get a guy like Cease, you need to make sure he's here for a long time. Yeah, and I think that's something they could do. Also, something that's interesting is he, when it comes to like Cease's numbers last year, most of the peripherals lined up with 2022. So he didn't like lose velocity as fastball. His, his breaking stuff wasn't worse. Something that's just a concern with him in general is he has one of the lower control. Like uh, when you look at his control in general and his uh, location plus numbers, it's among the worst out of qualified pitchers, even when he was at his best. So he's kind of one of those guys when you don't know if he's going to locate it, but his stuff is so good that it doesn't really matter most of the time. But last year bit him a little bit. And then also he's on this just crazy bad White Sox team that was not just bad on the field, but there was turmoil in the clubhouse. It was just, I mean, very few times you have a GM come in and say, I don't like, I literally don't like my roster. Anyone's available. Let's blow this up. Like people just don't say that about their teams ever. Um, that's what Chris Getz has done about this White Sox team. Um, and there was a 56 inning yeah. stretch from June to the end of July when uh, Cease had, I think it was a 2.4, a 2.64 FIP, 3.34 ERA. Um, strikeout percentage was over 30%, walk rate was under 10%. So he looked exactly like himself again for about basically a two-month stretch in the middle of yeah, the year. And then, it kind of, then it kind of fell off again, and, and it started slow at the beginning. So I think in some ways the White Sox are like the juxtaposed position of like the American League Cardinals. But now they're headed toward rebuild when the Cardinals are trying to turn things around. So I would, I, I, I personally would be shocked if Cease is as bad as he was last year again. I don't think he could be that bad, but I think he could post an ERA over four again and it wouldn't shock anybody. I think, I think it would shock me. Like I'd be, I'd be, because at that point you're not, you're not a top starter if you're doing that two years in a yeah. row. And that's what I see him as. Even his, even his expected ERA last year was 4.13. It's yeah. not like he got crazy. He got unlucky, but he didn't get crazy unlucky. He had a lot mm -hmm. of blue on his page, which is not a good sign. Um, and like, while yeah, some of it, obviously his, his stuff was still pretty much the same as it was in 2022, his control was worse. And a guy who already, like you said, had shaky control. If it gets to a point where even his great stuff isn't going to play well, then that's really concerning to me. I, I still think Cease is good. I'm not trying to argue that he's a bad starter or anything like that. And if the Cardinals got Cease, even if they, 
in my opinion, overpaid. Like I'd be really excited to see his first start in Cardinal uniform. Like I would, I would be so excited to watch him pitch. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's telling that the Cease hasn't been traded yet because he was one of the trade pieces that was talked about like super heavily. He was like the, the pitching version of like Juan Soto. He was, everyone was in on him at the start of the off season. And I think the White Sox might be asking a little bit too high um, still. And, uh, you know, the Dodgers tend to get what they want. We've kind of learned that this offseason. And um, they ended up getting Glass now, who I think uh, – sorry, Josh, but, like, he he's not a guaranteed, like, number one starter in your rotation. And, like, he, he hasn't he, – he has less career war than Garrett Cole did last year. So, like, he just hasn't been – he hasn't shown up in for, for the bulk of the innings. And I feel like the Dodgers would have preferred Cease over – over glass now, especially because you don't know what Shoyatani is going to give you. Yamamoto's still like unproven, but he'll he'll be good. But Walker Bueller had Tommy Johnson. I I feel like the Dodgers would have loved to have uh, have Cease over Glass now, and it's telling that they they didn't go that route because um, I think the White Sox probably asked for a little bit too much, um, especially after the year he had last last season. So I think the reason I, I I'm in in on Dylan ceases because I, I think the package is not going to be what, what people think it will be. Um, it's it, if they ask for Donovan or Gorman, I'm completely out just like the Mariners with, with their starters. Like they want one of those guys. Like I'm not going to even pick up the phone, but um, with the white Sox, it, they've struggled to find a suit. There's so many people that want Dylan cease, but they've struggled to find someone to like give him to so far, probably just because they, they haven't found a package that they like yet. So um, eventually they're going to have to lower that price, whether it's wait until the trade deadline or trade him later this offseason for, for less than they thought they'd get for him. Um, it should be, it, it shouldn't be as bad as, as people are saying, hopefully. Yeah. And I think also a lot of this is timing too. Like you said, Andrew, like clearly teams have not pulled the trigger, even with the extended interest in him. Um, and we saw this last trade deadline too, the, the day of the deadline, it started to, rumblings came out that uh, the white Sox were shopping cease the orioles were in on him it seemed like a deal could get done and then about an hour or two before the deadline it's like oh no it's falling apart because the orioles don't want to pay the asking price and it just kind of seems like that's continued through the offseason um and i think what the white Sox probably thought would happen by this point is that snell would be off the board montgomery would be off the board these guys would be off the board and someone would be scrambling to find a starter but again, you look at all the teams that need a starter right now or that are in on him. The Dodgers don't need to make it happen. The, um, oh gosh, the Reds already backed out. The Yankees don't need to make it happen. I don't really think they can. The Braves have backed out. Um, you look at the Red Sox, they're probably the most desperate outside the Cardinals to make it happen. Um, but again, they just got rid of Sale and brought in Giolito, and they've got other options they could turn toward as well. And they're also not necessarily striking me as a team yeah. going all in this year. Um, so I'd be kind of surprised that they deplete their farm system to do that. And then the Orioles, but again, they just don't seem like a team that's going to move off of too much to get it done. So I, I just, I just seems like it makes a lot of sense. Um, but if I had to lean one way again, I know I said at the top is that I, I would believe that it would take, I, I think, I, I think the White Sox will wait this out longer, believing that, okay, there's always a team desperate at the deadline, so maybe we can get at least what we're asking for now, even if we don't get it. And then also, if Cease comes out and is amazing, then sure. the, the price goes up a little bit. But then there's risk in the White Sox end, too, of like, okay, he's got two years of control right now. He's healthy, and, and people value him. What happens if he blows out his elbow in May or even just has shoulder issues? It's like the Frankie Montas thing at the Athletics. They waited so long. He got hurt. They got stuff at the deadline, but it wasn't super valuable. 
So I could see the White Sox also pulling the trigger now being like, we don't want to risk the idea of losing out value even more. And the next offseason, he's got one year of control and it's not even, there's no value there. Yeah. I mean, I really liked the, the, uh, sorry, the athletics package that they got back. Actually, I think Waldachuk has been so much better than Montes would have been and he even stayed there. True. But like kind of what you're looking at the offseason before it was, oh, yeah. Like it was a lot stronger of a package that they were supposed to be getting for him. So, I don't know. It's kind of, it's just cat and mouse. Like who's going to be the one who caves in first? Is it the white Sox? You're like, okay, we just need to get the value now. Or is it going to be a team? who's like, Oh, we need that starter right now. And based on how the market's playing right now, I feel like it's the white Sox who really wants to cave in. And that tends to play in the Cardinals favor because they like to be the team. That's like, okay, you come to our asking price. Sure. And I think if the white Sox decide that they should trade cease, I think if they don't, it's stupid. It'd be idiotic. When have we seen it work? So like not like the Angels not trading Shohei Otani was just dumb. They had, yeah. they had three really good opportunities to trade him, and they should have traded him at every one of those opportunities. Uh, it, the the Nationals years ago not trading Bryce Harper, the Rockies not trading Trevor Story. Like e- even if you trade a guy at the deadline and it feels like you're not going to get a ton, sometimes it works out. The Orioles got Dean Kramer for Manny Machado, and now he's a big part of their rotation. Um, he was just a throw in at that point. So I think the White Sox they have to trade him at some point. And waiting on it would just be so dumb. There's so much more to lose between now and the deadline than there is to gain. Even if everything goes right, Cease comes out, is a Cy Young contender. How much more are you really getting from him at the deadline? Because you're losing 20 starts. Ridiculous. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Justin, uh, I think it's just there's such a plethora of views here justin on youtube just said no one should be off limits honestly and then you have others who can name 12 people who should be off limits in these these trade packages so i mm-hmm. it's it's difficult to kind of put this together at the end of the day too we're not in the conversation rooms we don't really know exactly what the white Sox want and even when i brought up the reds package earlier you can't necessarily just say the second ranked prospect on the reds is who the car they would want from the cardinals like it doesn't it's not that simple exactly um, and just because a guy's the best prospect in baseball mm-hmm. according to mlb.com doesn't mean the other team wants him like there's just different valuations different yeah. levels of what people like desire all that kind of stuff so speaking of figuring out what the heck is going on and people having their opinions on what should have happened the reliever market began to develop over the last few weeks you have Wusako and yuki matsui both go to the padres we talked a little bit about the West Coast side of things and if that played a role in it. Um, Derek Gold asked John Mosaic about this a little bit. And while he wouldn't comment specifically on those two names, he was asked if the idea of the coast played a role in it. And Mosaic noted, traditionally, I think people want to play in the coast, um, but it was difficult to say if that's what the biggest um, like factor was here. But he did say it felt like the factors for both of those deals or at least the deals in general were dollars in years. So for Mosaic, it probably seemed like it lumped Yamamoto into that sweepstakes too. Like, I don't think he was just talking about uh, Go and Matsui there. Um, But he did make it sound like at the end of the day, they took one of the best offers available to them. He didn't make it sound like, oh, we made a really good offer and they decided to go to the San Diego at a discounted rate. But I also, it's hard to know exactly what they're doing. But then you also some more information from Gould today that I think is really interesting is that sources have told him that they are looking to sign a reliever in the same AAV range as what Matsui got, which that's about five to six million dollars a year. And then he's continued to connect them to different names uh, like Phil Maton, 
um, Ryan Stanek and um, Hector Neris from the Astros. Um, Jordan Hicks has continued to be connected to them as well. And then a newer name that's popped up recently is Ryan Brazier, who was really bad at the Red Sox this year. But then when he went to LA on a minor league deal, he threw, looks like 38 and two thirds innings with a 0.7 ERA, 38 strikeouts. And the biggest difference for him was that he started throwing a lot more cutters, which he threw zero with the Red Sox. And then he threw like 128 with the Dodgers, significantly lowered his fastball usage and was incredible. So I know it's a lot of spitball at you, but what do you think about the idea that it sounds like the Cardinals may not have even outbid the Padres on go and Matsui. It seems like maybe they weren't super high on either of them and preferred maybe these other options available. And then let's, yeah, let's just, let's leave it there for a second. What, what is that? How does that sit with you that maybe they didn't make a significant offer at go or Matsui? Yeah, with Go, um, he wasn't amazing last year in the KBO. He posted a 3.68 ERA. Um, there were some injury concerns there, so um, he was a lot better um, in the season prior, 1.48 and then a 2.17 in his age 22 season in 2021. So he was really good um, age 22, 23, but then last year had some injury concerns. Um, KBO talent is really hard to evaluate. There's just not that many pitchers that come over from over there. Just not many players in general come over there. Uh, so like it's, it's a tick below NPB even. Um, so it's, it's really hard to predict, um, what a guy like, uh, was going to actually do. Like maybe he would, he'd be really, really good, um, in the majors, or maybe he's just terrible. Um, and I, I wouldn't really be surprised either way. Um, I think the, you, you have to take the flyer though, like two years, what was it? Four point something million. Um, yeah, 4. That, that's, 5. that's not like any, if he's terrible, just DFA him. That's not any money send him down. Um, so I feel like you had to be at least matching the Padres asking price for him. With Matsui, it was a longer contract. Um, I think it was four years. Um, there, there's a lot more risk there. Matsui is, is a smaller pitcher. Um, his hands um, are a little bit um, small. Um, and the, the Japanese ball is slightly smaller than the American ball. And um, there are reports that in the WBC, Matsui had trouble gripping the, the American ball. A little bit um so there might have been some concerns there with his size um and with with just how he would adjust to the major leagues so i'm not too upset um that the cardinals didn't go after him i thought he would he would have been a good fit um maybe less years higher aav but if he wanted stability to go to go to san diego um i, I know you darvish was rec recruiting a lot of the japanese players he said um that he wanted the Padres to, to build a team of Japanese players to rival the Dodgers, which I think is kind of funny because um, they all went over there. <laughs> I feel Instead, like the mom, we've got this at home version of the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like that, that's that kind of sucks for the Padres, but um, like the, there might have been some comfortability with, with San Diego. It's, it's like a lot of the Asian pitchers um, at the start of this offseason were like, yeah, we don't really care where we go, but all of them have signed in the West Coast so far. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of kind of telling um i guess with that um probably just a negotiation tactic and there definitely is preference preference for the west coast even ichiro like way back signed with with the mariners um sure yusei kikuchi went to the mariners like it's just more comfortability i guess closer to japan and korea so yeah it's not out of the question jung hu lee and uh, ha song kim uh all on the west coast so yeah no one's really gone anywhere else yeah. And it's also important to note, too, we don't know for sure how much of John Mazzo's comment about dollars and years applied to go 
and Matsui specifically because, again, you did have um, Lee go to the Giants on $100-plus plus million Yamamoto go for th- over $300 million, which is a like name they're significantly linked to. So I'm sure he was kind of talking about Yamamoto a little bit there too. I don't know how much Otani played into that for his com- his comments, but you just there's a lot of different players who have signed. It's not just those two. Um, but Sandy, what, do you, what are you thinking about that? I don't know. I, I'm personally like, it's fine. I, I would have liked to see them go get go, especially on such a low deal. But if there's questions, then it's fine. Um, it's a reliever. And even if he has a really good season, it's whatever. Um, the Cardinal, there are plenty of relievers out there. The Cardinals just need to go get an established major league reliever. And honestly, I'd probably rather have a guy who I have less questions about. I don't really care for the Cardinals history of signing relievers. A lot of them been really bad. Cecil Miller, uh, Gregerson Holland. Like I can go down the list and name guys that the Cardinals have signed that haven't worked out. Um, do I need to add go or Matt Sui to the list? Like, I think it's fine. I also just don't think they needed a lefty super bad. Um, yeah. it's like, eh. Why would you give up four or five years for Matt Sui when, I mean, maybe you don't want him on your 2028 roster, but that wasn't an option. <laughs> you know, he had yeah. to be there. So uh, personally, it's like, this this is fine. Maybe it takes the Padres out of the bidding for a guy like Robert Stevenson, who I really think the Cardinals should add. And I would much rather see them go get a more proven arm, a guy that succeeded at the MLB level before. I'd rather them swing and miss on that kind of deal than swing and miss on a deal from a different market. And also, it's been talked about. Andrew has really like kind of been talking about this. So have I. I think some of the talent from the NPB is starting to get overrated a little bit. Like, is Yamamoto good? Yes. Is he a three hundred million dollar pitcher? Only Garrett Cole has ever been a three hundred million dollar pitcher. Like, do I think Yamamoto is instantly going to be a Cy Young winner? No. So I think that's absurd. Is Shota Imanaga worth a hundred million plus? Andrew seems to think he's absolutely not, and no. he's arguing people on Twitter. And you're right. So I just think like, man, I, I'm okay with us not entering these sweepstakes right now. The, the reason I really used to like signing these kinds of guys is because you got crazy value. Sungwon Oh was a really good reliever who you got for almost nothing. Miles yeah. Michaelis is a really good starter and you got him for almost nothing because everyone was so focused on international amateur talent and you know developing their own talent and MLB talent. But now that everyone's eyes have seemingly gone over there and everyone is hyper-focused on what the NPB has to offer – I'm I'm less interested because I don't think you can go bargain hunting the way you could before. Yeah, and that's kind can of. I, can I touch on Imanaga really quick? Yeah, go for it. It's just like I've heard people like saying that like he's worth a hundred million or whatever. There's Japanese wow. ERA plus, which is something that like it's not the same as MLB ERA plus because they don't have Park Factor taken into it, but it's it's similar mm-hmm. in that a hundred is league average and plus, uh, like over that is is better than league average and then under that is below league average. So Shota Imanaga had an ERA plus last year in NPP of one oh six. That means that means he was six percent better than league average. Facing Lewis Brinson. Yeah, which is just like not like his ERA was low, but that's because everyone's ERA in Japan is low. Like you don't score a lot of runs there. Um, the ball doesn't fly out of the park nearly as, as well as it does in the U S and Shota Imanaga had a home run problem, which is crazy. Like the Yankees yeah. are out on him because he has a fly ball issue. Um, and that's a small park. Um, so I, like he, he's not worth a hundred million dollars. I would give him the Steven Matz contract and that's still being a little bit generous. I just don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be, like his, if if he posted an ERA below five, like that would be that would, that would be pretty good for him, I, I think. 
Yeah. He he pitched worse than than his his teammate for the Bay Stars, who's I'm not going to say his name, but he's also a free agent this offseason. So like he's not. I, I, the Cardinals just need to stay away from that, especially a hundred million dollars. It's just not. It's not going to work. Yeah, there's a couple of thoughts in the chat that I think are interesting. And here. the WBC Jacob, stuff. Oh yeah, he, Jacob he Arnold. One he he pitched the final, which like he threw like three innings, gave up a home run to Trey Turner. He navigated it okay, but like that's that's like three innings. It doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, Jacob or uh, I'm going to be Blake honest. Newberry, I was going to I was just going to say Blake Newberry hit it on both I don't sides care of it about earlier. WBC. Yeah, yeah, because oh, well, no. the, I think it's you, at least helpful because you you do have you're pitching in major league ballparks. He is pitching against better talent, but then also they're able to track his stat cast data. Very small sample size, but he had four pitches that graded out over 120 stuff plus, which 120 is really good. And so it's yeah. hard to fully know what that means, but that's on the like here. That's the intriguing side of Ima Monaga. But then also Blake, I think, did an incredible job in this months ago when Imanaga was projected to get more of a Steven Matz type contract that his home rate home, home run rate is terrible and that it's almost doubled for every single pitcher who's come over stateside um, that you could do a comparable deal to it doubled for Darvish it doubled for Otani it doubled for Senga it doubled for pretty much all of them it's and if his home rate a run rate doubles or more, doubles or more for all of them it'll be over two home runs per <laughs> nine innings that's horrible so obviously it doesn't like <laughs> like Andrew's talked about this too. That is more of a contact first oriented space. And he is a little bit, he's got sneaky strikeout stuff. So maybe he translates a little bit over here and gets more swing and misses, but more home run driven league with a guy who gave up a lot of home runs in a contact friendly league scares me, especially over a hundred million dollars. I mean, so Imanaga, he, okay. I take it back. He threw two innings in the WBC final and he let, let four hits. So here's, here's what happened. Mookie Betts flight out. Mike Trout doubled. Goldschmidt struck out. Whoops. Arenado grounded out. Whoops. Um, Schwarber flied out. Trey Turner homered. Romuto singled. Mullen struck out. Tim Anderson singled. And then so basically, the Phillies. So basically, he just got this is really good sequencing on his part. Like he didn't even pitch well. Yeah. Anyway, I just so, I just mean, think the WBC doesn't matter. Like I just don't okay. care. Well, that's because we're American, I don't understand so. why people are saying that. No, no, no. I, I like watching the WBC. I'm not going to say that. Like, it's really fun. It's like, it, but I don't think the WBC should be used for player evaluation ever because it's just, who cares? Oh, no. It's it's an exhibition with a, a tiny sample size. And I'm not saying you guys think it should, but the people that seem to be saying like, oh, Japan won the WBC. NPB is every bit as good as MLB. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's too far. I mean, Yamamoto didn't even pitch well in the WBC. And he just got like he he served up like a couple like runs to Mexico and he almost blew the game for them in, in the yeah. semifinal. But like no one wants to talk about that, but whatever. Well, let's let's keep going with the reliever talk a little bit too, because I think this plays into a little bit. Life Journey said you prefer bargain bin players, which I don't know. I I don't know if he was saying he prefers it or if he's saying we do, but in all honestly, actually when it comes to bullpen pieces i do prefer the bargain bin guys i do prefer the guys that don't cost yes. a lot because of what sandy said you go after andrew miller you go after brett cecil you go after luke gregerson it's not just the cardinals you look around all baseball reliever contracts are by far the hardest per to predict and guys are so volatile year to year that i'm again i'm wouldn't hate the cardinals going out and getting a larger contract on a reliever. I, I Jordan Hicks is probably the one guy out there I would do it for because we're familiar with him and he's younger and his stuff just plays. Um, 
But when you're looking at this market, the Cardinals have from Katie Wu and Derek Gold have both reported as of today that they're looking at that five million ish dollar market per year for a reliever that's really affordable and it's not going to break the bank if they go poorly. You get a guy in something like that, whether it's um, any of those names we mentioned earlier of Naris, Maton, um, Brazier, um, Brett Suter was another guy that was thrown in there, I believe. Uh, Robert Stevenson's probably cost a little bit more than that, but who knows? Like, Someone in that kind of realm, that's when the Cardinals tend to find the best relievers. But then also, like, it's not just the Cardinals. The Dodgers do this, too. Brazier, again, they signed him to a minor league deal, and he was incredible. They got Shelby Miller, I think, on a minor league deal last year. He was incredible. They don't – most successful bullpens aren't built on a bunch of 8 to $12 million contracts. You have one or two of those guys in your bullpen, but most of them are guys you sign those minor league deals to, you hope for a bounce back on, and you sign four or five of those, or maybe three of those, then you tend to get one or two to work out. If you sign one big guy, it's kind of all or nothing. Yeah. I'm all in for Carlos Estevez at the trade deadline, by the way. Um, the Angels aren't going to trade him because they want to contend, and I think that's cute, but uh, they're going to trade him at the trade deadline, guys. <laughs> I think that's um, um, Andrew is so snake bitten by the Angels. <laughs> it's so sick. well. They're not going to contend. They they tried to contend with Shohei Otani, and they're going to add Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell to try to replace him, and it's going to blow up in their face. Just watch. Cubs so, fans after the Angels add Cody Bellinger, they're just going to be an absolute shambles. I want the Cubs to add Cody Bellinger. I want the Cubs to add Dude. Cody Bellinger and Imanaga, and just like okay, oh, like, Imanaga them- to Chicago would be awesome. Like I'm all for it. Like just go do it. Imanaga is so good, Cubs fans. Like he's like so be so excited for him. He had a he has a sub three ERA. Isn't that so exciting? In no, in the no. best league in the MPB is better than MLB guys. Well, yeah, they won the WBC. Yeah, so. like they they're the best league in the world. Clearly, their best player definitely didn't just sign a seven hundred million dollar contract with with an MLB team. No. What is happening? Um, Uncle Ted brought up a good point here in the chat too that the slider fastball guys is what you're wanting to target, which is what the Cardinals have done this offseason. Um, with Nick Roberts or Robertson, um, why am I blanking all the guys? Ryan Fernandez, um, the guy from Seattle that they got. Um, man, he's in Gold's article today. I cannot remember to save my life. Um, Riley O'Brien. Um, so they're, they've been going after that kind of mold of guy, the one that's been the guys that have been really successful, or at least the profiles that have been really successful out of major league bullpens right now. Um, so I just I like that they're continuing to target that. And I think if you get one of those guys that's been rumored from Katie Wu or Derek Gold, this bullpen looks a lot better. If you can get two of them, then I, I'm no longer do I not even have quite, I'm not worried about it anymore, but then I think it can start to become a strength of this team as well, which would be really important. I think the Cardinals already have one of the stronger bullpens they've had in, in recent years. Like, I, I think this bullpen could be really good. I think there's more certainty be, yeah. right now than there has been at times between Romero, Gallegos, and uh, Helsley. Like, if you can presume health, I think this is every bit as good as the bullpens they've put together uh, for the last while now. I think Romero is your third reliever is much better than Hennessy's Cabrera is your third reliever. I think they're stronger at the back end. I think their depth is really strong, especially knowing Zach Thompson's going to start in the bullpen this year. I really like that. I think he's a really good reliever. Um, and the starting depth is so much better that the bullpen's not going to be overtaxed. And so that's something that's super exciting. You have guys that can make spot starts. You're not, not just going to be pulling up random guys and you're i hope you never see another bullpen game i hope there's zero bullpen games this year because that I mean, destroyed us last year i'm actually all for not signing any relievers and getting another starter to move mass to the bullpen's long long man because i feel like he'd be really good or he was really good last year um in that role 
Um, and I feel like with, with uh, Romero and Helsley and um, Gallegos, I guess, I guess we can throw him in there. But um, like, it, it's pretty solid if you have Steven Matz giving you high leverage innings. I just wanted to, to shout yeah. out Uncle Ted for saying the Angels have Ron Washington, so they're not irrelevant at all. And Ron Washington in Anaheim, he's not going to make the poor decision of sticking someone to celebrate, be closer to the celebration because they never celebrate anything in Anaheim. So, you know. <laughs> That's crazy. The Nelson Cruz stuff still still legendary to this day. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Hey, I'm glad Ron Washington gets another crack at it. He seems like a good guy. Everyone loves him. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, he got his World Series with the Braves, so now you can just go chill and have October off in Anaheim. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hit the golf course early. Man, Andrew, hopefully a, a Angels podcast doesn't discover this and start clipping you. Hey, it's fine. Twitter, like, I, like I, I stuck with you guys for like three years. It was the most painful three years I've ever had to endure as a baseball fan, and now now it's over. Oh, it looks like we had a Yankees offer in the chat for a season. Interesting. Um, but, yeah, so keep, in, keep monitoring the reliever market. I think you both made a good point, though, about the math side of things. Could potentially be something that, like, if they were to add another starter, they did go get a C. So they did go get Lizardo, which is before today and last night um, would have been the thing I would have talked about today is that um, Derek Gould talked about the only name he had really heard legitimate conversations with or maybe legitimate conversations and maybe shouldn't maybe it's a little too strong but at least that there was potential talks there so far beyond just putting feelers out was jesus Azardo. now again that's his sources so it seems like the c stuff is a little more real than people have let on before um but if they go and get one of those guys you move mats to the bullpen it strengthens it even more so i think at this point especially if they do something like that you really don't need one bullpen arm and then we all can predict who the best arms are going to be right now, but it'll be like September. And one of the guys that we think, I think Helsley's going to be fine, but like, would it shock me if Gallegos is terrible? No. Would it shock me if Ryan Fernandez is their second best reliever? No. Like it's just how bullpens tend yeah. to work out. So, um, Keep an I think eye there's on a lot more sure. stuff in this bullpen than there's been in the past though. Exactly. Like, there's and there's prospects too that could come up. Edwin Nunez yeah. and Matt Svonson in particular, I think could be really good at some point. This or year. even some of the starting pitching prospects like Graceffo could make an appearance. Uh, TK Rogi yeah, or Kent could come up there. Um, there's Wilkin Rodriguez that brought back on a minor league deal. There's Zuninga yeah. from last year. There are just a lot of arms. And so you might see like the, the bullpen mix ch- change throughout the year. But then by September, August, you kind of got this strong mix that you've identified. So I really do like that. You're not going to have Casey Lawrence or Jacob Barnes or people like that getting innings this year. They have the depth needed. I have to ask, though, if they get another starter, is Matt's the guy that goes to the pen? And do we want that? I, I really like Steven Matt's. I think more than the average person. I'm kind of a Matt's apologist, and I'm just not sure I'd want him moved. There is an argument that Matt's was the best starter we had last year outside of Jordan Montgomery, of course. And once Montgomery was gone and Matt's was hurt, you saw a team that had nobody that could do anything in the rotation. I think Matt's is like, honestly, he's a good starter and he's so cheap. Yeah, okay. The fact that Matt's is being paid $11 million to do what he did for the Cardinals last year, two war, um, 386 ERA, 375 FIP and over a hundred innings. I know he got hurt, which is, you know, it stinks. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, but 11 million for that is crazy. That yeah. value off the charts compared to what other teams are paying for and not getting. So. And he had like a sub two year rain his return to the rotation, yeah. which was like eight starts. So I think it's less about Matt's being the worst starter and more about like the fit, because I think, I think it was gold who talked about it, but someone wrote about it recently that 
Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn are not going to be moved to the bullpen, at least early on, because they signed him, them for that role. That's what they told them as they're coming in. They're not going to do a whole like, oh, sorry, we didn't do that. Maybe it was Brendan Schaefer. I can't remember. Wait, um, but Yeah, uh, yeah I know. But then you're also like, also, do you want Miles Michaelis in the seventh inning? Yeah. Do you want Lance Lynn in the I seventh agree. inning? Do you want? So I think it's more about Matt's moves to the bullpen because he's shown he can kind of do both and he'd be really effective in the role. And then again, the starting five is like the likelihood they all stay healthy throughout the year is pretty low. And the likelihood they're all available at the end of the year is pretty low. And so you probably end up getting Matt's back in the rotation unless he's the one who gets hurt. Yeah. Um, so Lance Lynn could go down. Michaelis could go down. Greg could go down. The guy they trade for could go down. Matt's gets back into the rotation. So I would be shocked if you got to October and they still have Steve and Matt's and they have maybe Sonny Green, Dylan Cease. I think Matt starts game three, even if he is the bullpen guy toward the end. I think that's when they would start moving Lance Lynn out of the rotation or Kyle Gibson. They're not going to, at that point in October, they don't care about the contract. They're going to put the best guys out there. But also, that's something too that's been noted. I can't, maybe it was gold, but someone said, because Augie just asked, why is it Matt's throwing the trade? He's a guy that, yeah, it was. Okay, now it's all coming together. Derek Gold's chat that he said Matt's would move to the bullpen because of the role or he'd be traded because of the money. So, like, there's just not really a scenario where we see Kyle Gibson, Lance Lane, Miles Michaelis move to the bullpen. So, this is we'll why see. I really wish that we only had one of Lynn and Gibson. Like, I like, I like the moves more than I did when they happened. Cause it's like, I get what the Cardinals are looking for certainty, lots of innings, yeah. but also it's like, I would so much rather have one. So there's still room to add another starter. I don't want Matt's in the bullpen because I think he's one of our right now. I think Matt's is the second best starter. Agreed. on the team. Mm -hmm. I, I, he's not going to be your number two because of health and because of durability. But yeah. like, I think, I think Matt's in my opinion, probably will have the second lowest FIP and ERA on this team at the end of the year as currently constructed. Yeah. So, well, I could even make the argument potentially though on the flip side that you could say like Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, or Miles Michaelis might be the better, at least at, since what Matt's has shown us so far health-wise, the better regular season arms. And again, they didn't sign yeah. them to be the game two starter. They signed them to get them through 162 games. And again, sure. I, all three of those guys probably are going to stay healthy. Like even if they have the track record, one of them probably gets hurt. So, and I'm, I'm at least excited so far that the Cardinals haven't ruled out adding another starter. They're not saying like, oh, we're totally good. Yeah, they just are doing the typical Cardinals thing that they're not going to commit to anything, <laughs> and they might Fair. say tomorrow that we like our five guys and tomorrow trade for C's, or today we like our five guys tomorrow trade for C's, like they did with Matt Carpenter, Nolan Arenado. Yeah, and they continue to do all throughout time is they kind of just like people are getting mad that Mosaic said we I think we can contend for a World Series. Like he's never going to say we're yeah. not a contender, especially when they're trying to make the playoffs. He's just not what he's going to do. And in that same sentence. He continued to say, but we also are looking to add more. And people yeah. are like, oh, see, it's proof that they aren't going to add anymore. It's like he literally the next in the same sentence said, we're still looking to add. So we'll see. But I think as we're wrapping up the conversation today, too, obviously, maybe the thing that blew up the most before this recent news on Twitter was news about Tommy Edmonds injury. And there's a lot of frustration among the fan base specifically and probably not as a lesser level of frustration, but there definitely is some kind of questioning from media about why this wasn't revealed when they when they've asked John Mazik about this in different instances this offseason. 
but it was announced um, first in John Denton's report on MLB.com. And then Jeff Jones talked about it a little bit on Twitter. And then it kind of caught fire from there that Tommy Edmond went underwent arthroscopic wrist surgery this offseason in October. He's expected to be ready for spring training, but it doesn't sound like it's guaranteed right now. Let's before we even talk about what that means for center field. You saw that news come out. You saw the reaction on Twitter. What are you guys thinking about that? About like how the Cardinals handled the communication of it? I mean, I mean, I, the communication needs to be better, but like it's not. Oh, no, you go, you go. Yeah, the communication should be better, but like it's not that big a deal. If he's ready and healthy for spring training, it just it doesn't like it doesn't affect anything. Like it, it probably makes more sense now why they, they kept Carlson around um, just to have that insurance there in case Edmund like isn't able to play center field. But like if you have Newt Barr in center, Donovan in left, um, Gorman at second and Burles in DHing, that's not the end of the world. That's still like a pretty solid lineup. Um, I would rather have someone else DH that's not Burleson, but um, that um, it just it, it like that that's how it's constructed right now with with our roster. Uh, if Tommy Edmund happens to go down, um, it, it's maybe one of the things um, that was in, indicative that the Cardinals were shopping Tommy Edmund at some point, um, keeping that under wraps um, for a little bit. Um, probably boost his trade value. They're probably not going to trade him now anymore because um, of health concerns, and they'll just wait for him to, to get healthy if they, they intend to move him. But um, it's a little bit frustrating, but it's also not like the end of the world. It's not like, oh, the front office is terrible. They can't be trusted. Like a lot of people are saying, it's it's okay. Like, we'll be fine. I, yeah, I don't think it's the end of the world. Like, it's annoying. It's annoying to know, okay, this guy was hurt, and we didn't know about it. Um, but at the same time, I just, I don't think it's like, oh my gosh, the Cardinals front office is lying to us and it's just conspiracy. I think, yeah, like it's, it's fine. Okay. Tommy Edmond had surgery. I wish that we'd known about it. We know about it now and we have a lot of time left. I understand riders being upset because it's their job, you know, and it's like, I need to be able to report on this when it happens. Um, but it's, it's whatever, like it's, it's a nothing burger to me. Yeah. Quick, uh, Hi to Kareem. He's in the chat right now. He's joining us on Sunday to talk Cardinals prospects. So really excited about that. 2 p.m. on Sunday, Central Time. Join us for that. Um, I'm with you on that. I wasn't really like too frustrated about it. I think maybe where I maybe it's more less about Edmund specifically, and it's more about you had Adam Wainwright pitch with a partially torn labrum the whole year, and that wasn't talked about till after the season. Um, you had the Tyler O'Neill stuff where communication was really weird. The Wilson Contreras communication was really weird. It just seems like communication is a consistent issue with this Cardinals front office right now. And so I get why people are just done with it at this point. Um, I think personally what I would much rather us be talking about, and I think matters way more. Also, the end of the season press conference was canceled. Cleveland pointed that out, which... I, I think matters. Um, so there's just a lot of that. But yeah. I think the thing that we should really be talking about is the fact that Tommy Edmond might not be ready uh, for opening day. Now, I, I would be shocked about that. It seems like they expect him to be ready. But if he comes into spring training limited or his progress isn't just, just doesn't go as well. Victor with Scott. Yes, I do think it begins to open the door for a Victor Scott or Dylan Carlson. 
because we saw what happened with Dylan Carlson two years ago with his wrist injury. It zapped his ability at the plate. Wow. Again, Tommy Edmonds is not a power guy, but wrist injuries do tend to hurt that a little bit. And even if you're more of a slap line drive hitter, I mean, if you're hitting the ball less hard, it's not going to get through the infield or get through the gaps as much. That could affect him at the plate. Who knows how it could potentially impact him defensively. Again, it seems that the Cardinals don't have questions about that. But one of my bold predictions I did on the website a couple of days ago was that Dylan Carlson would win the center field job. This was before what we knew about Tommy Evan. I think this opens the door for a Dylan Carlson to come into spring training and try to fight for that center field job. Or Victor Scott, if, again, I think, Odds are he starts in AAA, and it's probably the best thing for him. But I don't know. There could be an opening there, especially with Ed. I think they really need to be careful with Edmund because if he goes down, they don't really have another shortstop outside of Mason Wynn. I get Thomas and JC can play shortstop, and Brendan Vaughn can play shortstop, but neither of those guys you want as a regular shortstop. And so I just think this could be a really interesting storyline to follow. But what do you guys like? If, if Sandy, if Edmund's not available, what do you think the center field play is? If Edmund's not available, if I'm running the team. So if I'm running the team and if the Cardinals are running the team are two different scenarios here, especially <laughs> with, well, I'm not, I don't normally trash on the front office, but like their personnel, internal personnel decisions drive me up a wall sometimes. So if I'm running the team here, I think Victor. Michael Ciani. Oh no, God. not, not Ciani. Not I don't Ciani. even know why, but I just like chose him <laughs> to pin all, all of 2023 on. Cause I needed some, Somebody I wasn't emotionally attached to, and Taylor Motter was already to taking Mata? too much from me. Oh, okay, dude, I hate that guy so much. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I don't mean that. I like Taylor Motter as a person, and I wish that he'd been better in a uniform. Um, no, so if it's me running the team, Victor Scott has a very real chance to win the job right out of the gate. Like if it's if it's my choice then it's Victor Scott. He, it's his job to win in spring training. But if he doesn't look yeah, good in win. spring training, then I'd probably be inclined to go with Dylan Carlson. I don't think it's a huge deal. Um, I would obviously like Tommy. I'm going to just be ready because I think he's the most complete player on the roster who can play that right now, except for Scott, who might not be ready. Um, but that's what I'd be going with. I wish the Cardinals would go out and sign a depth center fielder at this point, where it's like at least we have somebody we know can go play center field. I would actually go the opposite. Like, cause I was thinking, cause there's some people that are mad. They didn't go Bader. Well, not opposite. I would go in a different direction. I think they need more depth at shortstop because I yeah. do think in the day you have Edmund who should be the guy. You have Carlson. Paul DeYoung and the Dylan Cease trade. Ooh. <laughs> Could you imagine? Um, but the you have Carl, you have Edmund Carlson, Newt Bar on the roster, and then you have Scott who can play center. And then when you go to shortstop though, it's win Edmund. Like, I just think you're a lot thinner there. Um, you're thin at both of them, but I think shortstop's the one a little bit more worried about. I think there's a little bit more question marks. Just takes one injury, and then you have one shortstop on the roster. And I don't, I don't know. I can't really think of anyone in the organization right now I'd feel good about or even okay about running out of shortstop right now. Again, I love Thomas and JC, but that's not, that's not where he should be playing. And that's a lot of pressure put on him or Scott to have to come out opening day and do it. If one of yeah. them wins the job, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> when we have Kareem on Sunday, we can talk about his development as a hitter this last year. It's been phenomenal, Scott specifically. But at the same time, it's still a question mark. Can you hit big league pitching right now? Yeah. Um, so, And uh, Edmund's defense at center field has gone so underrated, even by me. It's like good. I was kind of indifferent about it's him. Good. 
he had five DRS and like 45 games out there, I think. And if you put that over a full season, he would have led the all center fielders in baseball and defensive runs saved. So like below average arm. So that's a problem. So he's not going to be a gold glover, but he's got the range that better, better equal to range of anyone in baseball, including Harrison Bader. So center field is not really a question to me. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, I just, yeah, now I just want Tommy Edmund to be healthy. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what counts Because if he's yeah. not healthy, then I think it's okay for people to start being upset with the front office. Like, if he's not healthy, you can say, okay, come on. Like, what are we doing here? Why are you not communicating that? But if they expect him to be ready, eh, it's fine. Yeah. They're really, really interesting to see. And then as the season goes on, as player performance goes up and down, like Andrew mentioned, Alec Burleson is someone, he's a guy in the second half. His OPS went up 100 points. He had um, Aaron Judge was the only player in baseball who was more unlucky when it comes to Woba and expected Woba. Like I, I saw a Yankees fan coming out and trying to say, like, oh, Aaron Judge should have even been even better last year. And then the second person on the baseball savant page that had the biggest difference between their Woba and expected was Alec Burleson. Like he's yeah. a guy that hits the ball hard, got really unlucky last year. So he's a guy that could get more playing time. So it'd be interesting to see if Edmund moves down to more of a utility role. If New Bar ends up sliding back to center at any point, Vic take, Victor Scott takes center. If Dylan Carlson emerges as the guy he we thought he was going to be for so long, Thomas Ajaycee comes up, Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Jordan Walker. Like there's all these different names right now. Ivan Herrera might need more playing time, which moves Contreras to the DH spot. Like there's just a lot of moving parts right now. And so I don't know. It seems pretty unpredictable, but it's, it's kind of fun at the same time. Yeah. Well, I think. That we we've pretty much covered the the current state of Cardinal baseball right now. I'm not really seeing a lot more in the chat that we need to chat through today. Um, but again, if you haven't subscribed to the channel already, we'd really appreciate it. Um, it helps the channel out a ton. We're trying to do a lot of fun stuff right now. Again, we've got Kareem coming on Sunday. Um, we've got a couple other guests kind of lingering right now that we're hoping to lock down some times with that we're excited about. Uh, we'll be at winter warm up at some capacity as well. So you can expect some content from that. Um, there's just a lot of fun stuff that we've got planned for 2024. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. Just hit subscribe, like the stream as well. That's really helpful. Sandy, Andrew, you got anything off the top or off the back end? Yeah, um, go follow us on Instagram. Uh, we're almost at a thousand followers on Instagram, so that's super exciting. Um, appreciate your support on all the social media platforms. Again, subscribe; it helps us out. Once we hit a thousand subscribers, we'll be able to do a lot more fun stuff. Um, some of our capabilities will open up, so that'll be awesome. Um, and yeah, catch us at Cardinals Caravan and Winter Warm Up. I think Sandy and I are going to go um, to Jeff City or Hannibal to to try to try to catch Lars Newbar, and Josh will be in uh, Peoria or uh, Bloomington. Uh, to try to try to catch Jordan Walker and Victor Scott. So that'll be super exciting. Oh, yeah. come, come say hi to us. Um, it'll be a great time. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. We, again, are just, we love doing this. It's one of the favorite things that we get to do now. Um, but yeah, please, any way you can engage with us on social media or anything like that, super helpful. Um, definitely the most important thing right now is subscribing to our YouTube channel. But seriously, go follow us on Twitter. Go check us out on Instagram. Um, we've got reels that go up. It's really exciting. So yeah and if you're playing nba winter warm-up hopefully we'll we'll try we'll try and plan to have some times where we'll let people know where we're at so you can find us if you want to uh, yeah. connect or anything um but again like subscribe really helps the channel out a ton again sunday 2 p.m we've got our cream uh episode where we're gonna be talking about prospects and again he's one of the best out there with cardinals so prospects good. right now 
<clears throat> so we're really excited to see and hear more about that from him. Yeah. Um, so if you've got questions about prospects as well, let us know on Twitter, join our Discord, which you can join through our membership program on our YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys Sunday.